My name is Scott Challoner and you are listening to the Leaders' Council podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. As regular listeners of our programme will know very well, part of our mission here at the Leaders' Council is to bring you a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. And to this end, we're joined on today's programme by Richard Summers, an urban designer and director at Boyle and Summers, an SME architecture and master planning practice based in Southampton. Richard, very warm welcome to yourself today. And by all means, thank you for joining us on the show. Real pleasure having you with us. Yeah, thank you very much for inviting me. Uh, it's fantastic having you alongside us, Richard, to sort of share your views with us today. Um, just for those listeners that might not be familiar with yourself and the business, however, I've obviously given a very brief overview as to sort of what it is that you do there. But what does yeah. Boylan Summers specialise in within your own words, please? Okay, so we're um, architects and master planners. Um, we're a, um, a, a smallish company based in Southampton. Um, we do a broad, very broad range of projects for a even broader range of clients. So mainly private sector clients, um, developers, owner occupiers, house builders, landowners, um, and so the architects. Fairly obvious what what they're up to. The master planners is where uh, I work principally in, in, in being an urban designer, um, and we've also got technologists in the company who. Uh, explain to us and 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 to to everybody else involved in the process how the buildings get put together and obviously create those kind of construction drawings. Yeah, so quite broad spectrum then, and um, I'm right in saying that you've been going for about eight years now. Is that right? Exactly. Yeah, uh, tomorrow I think, uh, or, or or possibly Saturday is our eighth anniversary. We did a management buyout from uh, of this office from a obviously slightly larger company. They had three offices that we were, we were the smallest and the most distant from their southwestern routes. Um, uh, we did a, a management buyout, um, which was incredibly amicable and, um, and, and very um, sort of um, stress-free, to be honest, So, um, which was obviously extremely good news and we were all very grateful for. Um, but we, uh, we were well established in, in Southampton at that point and in the sort of Solent region mm. um, and, and wanted to be independent and do our own thing. Yeah, and what was the sort of motivation behind that decision to kind of sort of go it alone and sort of run the business on your own, as it were? Well, me and Tony Boyle were already um, pretty much, um, uh, obviously we were running this, this office uh, which was slightly smaller in terms of staff numbers at that point. Um, we were two and a half hours from Exeter, which was the next nearest office. So our, um, our client groups were very independent of each other. They didn't really overlap. Um, and we, we, were, we were an independent entity in all but name. Um, so it was, just, it was just making that final disconnection and, um, and doing our own thing. And obviously... Um, rather than having to um, get agreement from anybody else in the business, we were able, to, the two of us, to to run it how we wanted from that point on, which was um, terrific. Um, you know, uh, kind of. So finally, I mean, I, I did it quite late. I was fifty at that point, so I was doing it quite late in my career. Mm. Um, but but to finally have control um, w- was great, and you know, for for all the reasons that everybody would understand. Yeah, fantastic. So it was kind of about what already was sort of an independent arm of the business, essentially becoming independent in in sort of name and practice as well, wasn't it? And uh, exactly. yeah. yeah, 
sort of having taken that sort of um, well, we won't say plunge because obviously, I mean, it's all it, it's very clear to me certainly that the business was operating all but on its own anyway. Um, yeah. Would you say that sort of since taking that decision that given that it is now your own business and um, has sort of your personal leadership style changed or any change in your approach, do you feel? Um, well, I guess neither, neither of us probably, probably fairly typically for a, for a small business um, have any great um, kind of um, management training behind us. Mm. So we've, so it's all been um, kind of, partly instinctive and partly kind of based on advice of, from others, which has been invaluable. Um, but, but um, you know, I think one of the reasons why it's worked reasonably well is because we're, we're, we're slightly different characters. Um, so we've got different strengths. Um, our, in addition to our client groups uh, um, are, between Tony and me, are, are um, slightly different as well. Um, but I mean, I think, you know, obviously one going to, to finally um, sort of um, becoming a, a business owner, you you, you sort of um, uh, finally understand that, that, you know, the importance of some, some elements from a sort of business um, uh, leadership point of view, yeah. which you, which you, as an employee, you're able to scoot around or, or avoid or defer to other people. So, um, you know, finally having to sort of take take control of some elements, which are, you know, the more um, hard work and less fun, was um, was was obviously you know a consequence of taking it taking it over. Yeah, of course, and that's one of the reasons why I asked that question because you've kind of gone from sort of running the office sort of independently and then having the oversight from sort of distance to sort of having to take on the oversight part yourselves, haven't you? And I suppose, as you say there, I mean it must have come as a little bit of a, uh, of a learning curve for you as you've kind of yeah. taken on that extra that extra responsibility. And um, just for sort of those younger viewers that may be tuning into this podcast who may be of that entrepreneurial mindset and sort of maybe thinking of either, you know, taking on a business that's already exi- in existence or may be starting a business of their own perhaps. Um, based on your experience, Richard, um, are there any key pieces of advice that you would sort of ask any sort of young business person to heed when they're starting out in that way? Well, our, our, ours were, um, I hesitate to give to give any advice to anybody really about anything, but but um, but um, um, we, we ours was a management buyout as you as you, as you, you say, and mm-hmm. um, so we had we had the benefit of carrying forward um, uh, some clients and so on. But um, I think the thing we we did do, which I think is relevant to anybody really, is to um, to sort of seek out. Um, the wisdom of, of people who've either done it before or advise people who've done it before mm. um, and, and just kind of cast the net around and, and get, get a, a broad range of opinion. Um, not necessarily on whether you should do it or not, but how you should do it and, and kind of what, what, how you should go about it. Um, we, 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 we had various people who, who uh, helped us in that regard and it was one particular um, person who was a kind of ex-director of a, of a major business consultancy um, in this area who, who we knew kind of informally, um, who we engaged with that process of advising us about how to go about it. Because, you know, it's obviously a, um, 
it's not something unless you do it unless that's unless it's your job it's not something you'd come across in terms of the the, the machinery of mm. of how these things get done um and uh, how you for instance identify the the value of what you're buying in terms of a, a management buyout um you know understanding how um various parties would feel about the uh the, the, the um uh the transition, the, the you know the, the buyout itself, but I think you know mm. in in general terms, I think that's the point. I think it's probably it's seeking opinions from uh, those who've who've done this sort of thing, and and um, uh, whether they're running businesses or whether they're advising businesses to to you know, just to feed in your knowledge at that point. Yeah, and it's good, it's good to kind of get an insight into what it is like from the management buyout perspective because we, we quite often speak to people who have started their own businesses almost entirely from scratch. And so it just offers that little bit more of an insight into sort of taking on a business in sort of an alternative way. So, yeah, that's very interesting. And uh, obviously we've talked about what um, your business, Boyle & Summers, does. I mean, you're involved in architecture and master planning. Now, if we kind of take sort of planning and apply that to sort of the ongoing sort of construction and property industries, there's been a lot made of the planning system over many, many years, hasn't there? And uh, there's been an acknowledgement from government that it is, there's essentially too much red tape there, too much bureaucracy, and it does need to be changed. But there's been no change being delivered, has there? Let's be perfectly honest. So yeah. what is what is your view on sort of the overall kind of state of uh, the industry in that sense at the moment? Um, yeah, I, I think there is, I think, uh, the planning system is very complex and it has kind of got complex, uh, year on year, more and more complex. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the, um, the majority of the sort of additional requirements that have come on board, I would say, are, um, Generally well founded, I think that that are necessary, because as we as we understand better things like you know the importance of climate change and, and tackling that, the 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 kind of dangers of things like air quality, um, uh, the importance of um, building to to better standards, um, which we still don't do. Mm. Um, so I think I think I think that the, the the basis of the of the additional regulations are. I think it's the implementation that's been uh, at fault, to be is my sort of perspective, and it's largely to do with um, uh, well, it's you know, both the private and public sector have got are at fault. I think the um, private the clients are reluctant to invest in as they as they ought to see it, it kind of the. Um, the skills that need that, that give them the answers early in the process, um, and the public sector is massively underfunded in terms of the people who are able to take these um, uh, reports and studies and, and planning within planning applications and so on. Um, th- there's a lack of uh, resource there to actually um, deal with them. So uh, I think I think that's where the blockage is principally. Um, I mean. Yeah, so I think in terms of regulation, I don't think it's necessarily a, a problem of too much. It's it's the implementation of it, is my view. 
Yeah, and obviously the government talks an awful lot about sort of levelling up and a lot of that is about sort of making sure that more housing is delivered all across the UK where it's needed to address this uh, this housing crisis. And um, obviously we're seeing at the moment that the priority is clearly going to be trying to get the economy under control, sort the cost of living crisis out, sort, sort, uh, sort out soaring energy prices as well. So yeah. the danger is, I guess, that this lingering issue is going to be sidelined for sort of even longer rather than actually addressed as a priority matter by this uh, this new Conservative government that we have? Yeah, I, I don't know. I think there's definitely mixed, there's, there's mixed messages. I think, as you say, the, the, the absolute priority is, is as you described it. But I've heard in the last few days, obviously there's been, the, the, the government has effectively last Friday the um, the mini budget announced uh, gave gave away a load a load of money effectively in terms of in terms of tax cuts and um, and energy support. I didn't it didn't explain how that was going to be funded, and I think that's why that the markets freaked out uh, as they did. Yes. Um, what 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 one would normally do, I mean, particularly what 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 a conservative government would be expected to do, would be to bring in the reforms to grow the economy and then spend the money that's created, but they've done it the other way around. And, you know, obviously, various opinions that. But there does seem to be, it has been some um, uh, comment made in the last few days that I've picked up about what they, I think, is used, uh, well, not, not being obviously an economist, it's called the sort of supply-side reforms. And even this morning, I think Liz Truss was saying something about radical uh, changes and, 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 and to, to the kind of regulation um, and, and um, supply side. And one of the things that one of the only things that people can hit on because it makes because it's kind of well known, you know, well understood what it means is planning reform. Mm. Um, so it, if if you if I'm re, if I'm hearing correctly. The government are potentially about to bring in radical planning reforms, which they know will be largely unpopular. Well, which will have sorry, which will be unpopular with some um, elements of, of society. But, but uh, um, I guess investors and, and developers will see as great news, and you know, um, a, a kind of a reason to invest and, and so on. So yeah, I'm. I'm I think. Definitely mixed messages at the moment, but it, but potentially big planning reforms, you know, literally about to be revealed. Yeah. Okay. So with that in the pipeline, then, is there anything specifically that you would like to see come out of those reforms? Should they be forthcoming? Um, well, I suppose, I suppose, just sort of guessing what they might be. The, the most, the. Um, um, the, the one element of the of the, of, of the private sector and plants would be we we are carte blanche to, to to basically you know to sort of get um, planning permission very swiftly um, with very little regard to I don't know where it is in the in 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 the country mm. um, or, or you know in, in a locality um, yeah I, I, I don't I say I don't think I don't think I don't think um, Reducing regulation is is the issue. I think if they if they invested in resourcing the um, planning departments, for instance, with uh, that would enable them to deal swiftly with 
tally applications, then that would be one way forward. I mean, we we also one element again, sort of government policy in the last few years, um, even in the world of planning, but in certainly other areas as well, seems to go very full on on one particular um, topic for a year or eighteen months, and then completely ignored and changed tack to something else. So, mm. in, in that it. In with regard to that, they're, they're, I'm slightly confused about whether design code is a government policy at the moment. Um, I think it probably is, but it might not be. Design codes obviously are a way to um, create sort of, or, or, or the, the 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 idea is that they give uh, they de-risk um, developments for for uh, developers or uh, and, and areas of um, towns and, and and cities, so that they basically decided in advance what would be acceptable. Mm. Uh, and the logic is that um, if a plan application is compliant with a design code, then it automatically gets planning permission. I, I can see I can see the logic of that. And, yeah. and John Prescott brought, brought them in, in the first time round, um, obviously lots of years ago. Um, they're, but they're back in again. Um, but... So, and we, and we, we uh, the consultancy, produce design codes either for the private sector or the public sector and could do more. So I suppose, selfishly, if the government act, um, really went full on uh, to design codes uh, as, as the way to speed up planning, um, that would be good news for us, potentially. Mm. So it could be interesting, something interesting there to uh, really keep an eye on. And um, I suppose as well, if there is that sort of confusion and lack of clarity about it at the moment, I mean, there needs to be some real leadership from government in the coming weeks and months to sort of really shed some light on the situation, doesn't there? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and you know, the one thing that's common to all, all elements of sort of government and society is the, the frequency with which ministers change. Mm. I mean, I think it's something like, I don't know, 10 housing uh, ministers in eight years or something like that. You know, it's some absolutely ridiculous. Um, you know, Michael Gove was, was in charge for, what, three years, I think, of planning and levelling up. Um, somebody else is in charge now. So consistency, as you say, leadership, um, it doesn't necessarily rely on, on, the, on an individual, but it's, a, it's an, the idea that, that needs to be consistently applied, doesn't it, or the policy. Yes, um, but um, but but we're not we're not we haven't had that for several years. Um, whichever whichever prime minister has been in charge. Yeah, I see where you're coming from there, and that lack of consistency, certainly in the policy and the planning, certainly seems to be something that's hindering business from fulfilling its real potential and causing a lot of problems within the overall system. So let's hope that we do sort of really see that change, and there is a sort of continuation in some ways, of what was there before, because I suppose Go was talking about planning reforms before. Obviously, the trust government came in, so let's hope that there is that that consistency there and it will come at the uh, at the overall benefit of the uh, the industry. And uh, I think as we kind yeah. of start to, you know, see the fog lift on that, it would be good once we know exactly what sort of form the reforms are going to take to maybe even catch up, Richard, and have you back on the programme where we can talk about that just that little bit more. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think... You know, very broadly, um, one thing that struck me in the last few years is that the, um, the UK used to be, my, my impression of it was that it was, probably as perceived from, from outside the rest of the world, but it was one, one of the most stable um, political 
um, uh, and sort of society, societies that in in the in the world, and it's not anymore, um, which must have a you know bearing on on how all sorts of things are kind um, of play out. I think that's very right. I think that there's been a huge sort of polarisation, certainly, of the political spectrum in uh, in recent years, and indeed, again, something very closely to uh, to for us all to keep uh, to keep an eye on, and because. Business always tends to get caught up in the middle of uh, all of these radical policy changes, doesn't it? And all of these new ideas mm. and the overhaul at the top. So, you know, it's it's time for government to, you know, implement its ideas, implement it in a consistent way. If, of course, the same party is in power and just make sure that, you know, there is that certainty there for businesses because it's the uncertainty that does all of the damage. Yeah, that's right. Exactly right. Um, I have to say, um, Richard, thanks ever so much for taking the time to join us on the show to share some of your views with us. It's been a real pleasure having you. But uh, just before we uh, we wrap things up on the programme, as we try to, you know, sort of wait on uh, these reforms and navigate what is a difficult economic climate at the moment, um, it's your eighth year um, at, uh, at Boyle and Summers, of course, and huge congratulations, of course, uh, for that be the anniversary tomorrow or over the weekend. Uh, but say yeah. by your ninth anniversary, so around about this time next year, um, is there anything... Yeah. Um, key on the horizon any major milestones that you're looking to uh, to surpass by that point I think probably the most obvious one is that um, it relates to our expansion into the southwest so we um, uh, one of our uh, staff who worked with us in Southampton um, up until the middle of the year um, moved back to the west country and set up um, a sort of uh, micro office in in Bristol, and I think the, the the definitely the headline for us in a year's time will be to see some um, you know more than green shoots and real kind of uh, um, progress moving forward in in that area. So that's that's quite a nice little um, uh, opportunity and, and and something that we're that we're obviously putting a lot of energy into. Let us certainly hope so. And uh, to all of the listeners tuning in today, um, I do hope that you have thoroughly enjoyed hearing from uh, Richard Summers, urban designer and director at Boyle and Summers in Southampton today. And if you do have something to say on the uh, the programme that we've recorded and the issues that we have discussed, uh, you are able to leave a comment at leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash contact hyphen us. And if you had to have your own perspective to add to the uh, the discussion or you even wish to bring your own topics to the discussion table, um, you too can apply to be on our programme via leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply and it could be you on the show next sharing your story with us um richard again thank you for your time and joining us on the show today and uh do take care and um i look forward to hopefully catching up in future thank you very much and to all tuning into this i've been your host scott challoner on today's episode of the leaders council podcast do take care all and until next time goodbye <laughs>